This week's episode is sponsored by my friends at Athletic Brewing. Athletic Brewing is awesome. Um, they are designed for people like you and me, people like you and me that uh, maybe we, we want to have a drink, but we, we don't all, want all the baggage that comes with having that beer. Um, they make delicious, delicious, delicious non-alcoholic beer. I'm a huge fan of the company. I had Adam from Athletic on the show previously. If you haven't listened to that episode, do check it out. They're giving all of our listeners 20% off your order. That's right, 20% off your order with code ELEVATE20, all caps, ELEVATE20. Hey now, and welcome to the Elevate Yourself podcast. I'm Rob, and I am thrilled to get to be the host of this show. I feel super lucky. I work for this awesome company called Elevation Health. And in each episode of this show, I get to have a conversation with folks from all different walks of life about how they elevate themselves. It's my hope that these conversations will make you think, force you to change your best, and as a result, help you get a little bit closer to becoming the best version of you. Dawn, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for doing this. Happy to be here. So tell folks a little bit of background about where you're from, maybe the, the Cliff Notes version of birth to how we ended up where you are today. <laughs> okay, uh, so born and raised Southern California. I grew up in Oxnard, which is about an hour and a half-ish um, north of Los Angeles, where I am now. I'm the youngest of four girls. Um was probably the troublemaker of the four of us, <laughs> but I think I, t I tested waters just because my sisters had all been through it. So I'm like, oh, let's see if I can get through. So it was probably a little bit of a troublemaker growing up, not not horrible. Um, I definitely tested my parents' patients um, a time or two, and um, I started swimming competitively at the age of seven. And I swam competitively all through college. So from seven to 20, 21 ish. Um, and then it had enough. And now I'm wishing I had never given it up because it's such a great sport. Um, <clears throat> first job at 15, teaching swimming lessons for the city of Oxnard. Um, had an array of different jobs throughout my life. Um, I worked every summer from the time I was 15 through college. Um, I worked odd jobs in college. Um, I actually found a love. I My mom was a great cook. So I spent a lot of time with her in the kitchen growing up. So I love to cook and bake. And so I thought, hey, I want to go to culinary school. And um, right out of high school, I actually did a tour of Johnson Wales in Rhode Island. And um I was super excited going in, coming home. I'm like, oh my God, too structured. I can't do it. <laughs> um, but ultimately did land a job um, in a bakery in Ventura, um, sort of between college stints and um, absolutely loved it. And I, to this day, I can, you know, I'll bring in treats for the staff. That's kind of my, my little motivator as I see things starting to wane, I'll bring in some banana bread or cookies or cupcakes or something. Um, so I like to still dabble in the culinary arts, to, so to speak. Um, I was originally an art major um, on a swimming scholarship at Cal State Bakersfield that was straight out of high school. 
Uh, it's kind of a last minute deal. The coach, um, I was planning on just doing a junior college because I wasn't, was never a great student. Um, I have three sisters who were all honor students and then there was me. <laughs> Um, and I, I just, I struggled. I struggled with studying. I struggled with a lot of things in high school and actually learned in, uh, I guess it was my freshman year in college that um, I have dyslexia, which answered a lot of questions growing up about why I was not a great student. Um, and so it was sort of an eye-opening experience for me, learning how to deal with my disability. Um, I got my sisters used it as a, you know, a, a joke, but it was honestly, it was sort of an aha moment for me. Um, and I, I really learned a lot about myself and how to deal with the struggles. Um, and I've, I continue even to this day, you know, 30 plus years later um, to focus. And I killed me when I find an, you know, an email with a typo in it or something. So I, I really do my best to proofread things before I send them out. But um, I worked in a veterinary hospital for a little bit. I just, I love animals. So I volunteered when Annenberg um, Pet Space opened here in Playa Vista. I was one of their first volunteers. Um, sadly, my job got a little too busy, especially with COVID. So I had to tune that back, but one of these days I'll go back there. Um, and I'm, I really do believe I'm where I am today because I have the support of family and friends to entertain some of my wilder things throughout my life, but always stood beside me and encouraged me to go after um, what I wanted. So life in a nutshell, a big nutshell, but a nutshell. That's one wonderfully big nutshell. That's so, <laughs> wow. Um, a couple of things you said there that kind of jumped out at me. I was, I'm sure that there, there is some carryover between the discipline of swimming and then uh, culinary school and all of those kind of things coming together. I'm curious, like I've talked on the show before about my high school football coach um, having a big impact on me and just the way I approach discipline and what it takes um, and dealing with adversity. Did you have any coaches or a teacher or professor that had, you know, really made a big impact on you? Well, you know, I will say that my sociology professor in college is actually the one who recognized the disconnect in my participation in his class to my test scores and actually called me in and we had a conversation and I could answer whatever question he asked about what we were studying. And he asked, why, why doesn't this translate to the test? And I said, I don't know. And so he's actually the one who encouraged me to get tested. So I have him to thank for learning about my disability. Um, and I will honestly say growing up, I. I had great coaches and mentors athletically. Um, my college swim coach, um, Pat, was just, <laughs> we were, so my, my first college experience at Cal State Bakersfield, I was on the first ever women's swim team for the college. Nice. And um, our we had a really small team. There were only two of us that really had a lot of swimming experience growing up. Um, so, it was, you know, we weren't the best of teams, but we worked hard. We had a lot of fun. And our coach 
put in the work and the effort and really got us to, I mean, I already had sort of a, an athletic discipline, but she, you know, she really rallied us together. Um, and even my high school coaches, I had some, I had two, two different high school coaches um, who I'm actually still in contact. I'm actually in contact with all of my coaches. Uh, to some degree, I run into them either in the street when I'm home visiting my family or via Facebook. So it's nice. Um, it's nice to kind of keep in touch with them. And I have lifelong friends. So I think just for me growing up and having, it was sort of my built-in extended family for my teammates. And, you know, to this day, I have childhood friends that I swam with that are still friends. And there's a group of college teammates. Um, some of which I never actually swam with, but swam for the same college. And we have this group that we try and get together once a year. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of people that I can lean on and vice versa that can lean on me when there's a need. That's really, that's really powerful. Um, th this next question might be a little bit leading, but I, I think it kind of ties together. And you've mentioned family, community, being very important to you and your support and your success. Um, and then also I, I, I would say the awareness and then maybe also the empathy from your sociology professor to, to help you kind of see what was going on and that being a big moment for you, for your aha moment. Um, those are just a couple characteristics I was throwing out. I was just curious when you think about leadership and maybe even within yourself, what are some kind of attributes that you think of? Like I think about leaders, I think a leader has to be empathetic. Um, just kind of curious, some of your thoughts on that. Definitely, I think empathy is a, is a huge part of being a good leader. Um, but I also think it's important to get your, your peers or the, you know, your, I don't know if you call them direct reports or associates, or whatever you want to call the people that are looking up to you for guidance. Um, is giving them the tools, but not the answers. Um, it's really easy to answer a question. Um, it's easy to answer it multiple times. It's, I think, more effective to give someone the tools to find the answer um, or to ask questions. They may already know the answer and don't realize it, or for whatever reason, it's not coming to them. So it's giving them, I think, the tools to find the answer or the resources they need versus handing it to them. Um, it's hard work is going to pay off one way or the other, you know, one way or the other. Work is called work for a reason. It's not because it's always going to be easy. And so I think giving giving folks the tools they need to succeed or the encouragement to follow their dreams or desires is a, a super important thing. And I think it's also okay if someone's not successful and you're you're working with them and you can see that they're trying but they're just not there. It's okay to talk to them about changing their path. There's nothing wrong with starting one one path. And actually, you you're kind of you did this yourself. You know, you you decided you wanted to go back to school, and that's huge and it's scary. Um, and I think sometimes people go the easy path and that's not always the best path. So I think being able to recognize when someone is not on the right path and being strong enough to 
to talk to them about it and empathetic enough to hear what they want to say. And if it's truly the path they want to be on, then, you know, do what you can to help them succeed, but make it also okay if they don't succeed to know that it's, they're not a failure. It's just, this may not be the right path. That is really, really, really well said. It, it reminds me of a uh, Jocko Wilnick's book, uh, Extreme Leadership. Um, he just talks about that if you have an employee or someone that's reporting to you and maybe they're not understanding something or you've gone over before, they don't get it. The first place to look is within yourself. Um, yeah. this, am I giving this person the tools? And it's kind of what you talked about, this idea that, you know, we, we don't give the person the answer, just make sure that they have the resources to be able to do it. And then at the same time, if you do give them the resources and they're unable to do it, that's okay. It just may not be the right fit for them. Um, and maybe they work well somewhere else. Yeah. And I've, you know, I have in my 20 plus years here at Playa Vista, I've seen a lot of people come in and out of our doors and I look at some and they're, you know, truly thriving in a completely different industry. And I'm super stoked to have been a part of their journey, whether it was a, a good part of their journey or maybe I wasn't, but at least I, you know, it's nice to see people who have moved on to do different things and are doing really well. And I think, you know, even if they get a little bit of um, work experience or especially for, for managers that have come through our doors, I actually had one um, earlier this week who recently left us and has in a completely different industry and had his first kind of test uh, with a, an associate that is reporting to him. And his text was basically, oh my God, this is what happened. But he said, but thank you for pushing me all those years ago so that I, I knew how to handle it. I didn't lose my cool. I kept, you know, calm and, you know, stayed the course. And so it was, it was actually, it was a really nice feeling to have someone come back to me after, you know, so many years and, and just saying, Thank you for teaching me how to be a better manager. That was really cool. That's way cool. That's what that's what it's all about. Oh, um, you you mentioned that, so this manager and this person reporting to him. I, there's all kinds of different people in the world, different personalities. Um, how do you kind of <laughs> navigate motivating different people? You know, there's there's some people I think like. Like I'm a person that can be left alone. Just tell me what I need to do. I'll take care of it. Some people need you to kind of motivate them. How, how do you kind of walk that line or maybe how do you help figure out how to lead somebody? Um, number one, I, I talk to people. Um, you can't get to know someone if, and I think being, you know, being in the position that I am as general manager, especially for newer associates that are entry-level positions, they're sometimes afraid to speak to me. Um, just for whatever reason, you know, oh, general manager, I can't talk to her. Um, so I, I tout, I have an open door policy and I, I truly mean that. And if someone has, you know, a personal issue that they're going through and they need just to offload something, um, my door is always open. My phone is always on. Um, so I think, you know, number one, it kind of goes back to that being empathetic uh, we all come from different walks of life. We have different different things that impact us, um, you know, whether it's socially, so, you know, economically, um, family, friends, um, whatever it might be. And, you know, I can't say that I know 
everything about every one of my employees, but I, or my associates, but I do make an effort to get to know them because I'm, I'm human too. I'm going to screw up. I do screw up. Um, and I want them to know that I will own my mistakes. I will, you know, I will do whatever I can to correct my mistakes. And I expect kind of the same thing from them. Um, I, I expect a lot from myself. So I do expect a lot from my direct report, but I also am understanding that things happen. We're not perfect. We are human. We do make mistakes and it's how we handle those mistakes. So I think it's, it's another kind of lead by example. Um, if I'm going to ask you to do something, I'm not going to ask you to do something I won't do myself or haven't done myself. Right. Um, and I think, you know, putting, um, not putting, I don't put myself before them. Um, I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm somewhat fortunate because I'm not married and I don't have kids. I have a cat who's very important to me. So she does sometimes come first, but um, I'm, you know, I, if I'm going to ask someone to be here on a holiday because we need it, I'm, I will be here too, if I need to be. So there's, you know, I think really putting, putting my, what is the saying? Uh, it's not do as I say, not as I do. I am more do as I do and do as I say, because it's, it's that lead by example thing. I'm, I'm very big on that. I appreciate that. And that's always been my experience with you as well. And it's the, uh, it's the fix the bathroom sink analogy that I, I, I believe in too. And I've always tried to do that in any leadership role too. It's like your, your team doesn't need, you don't need to be the person that fixes the bathroom sink, but they need to know that you would get in there and fix the, that you can fix the bathroom sink or you fix the bathroom sink. Before. I will find a way to fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Or whatever the situation might be. Um, yeah. We briefly touched on COVID and the pandemic. Um, I'm curious, uh, we have a question from a, a listener um, and I thought this was really mm -hmm. good. Um, the, the listener's question was, do you have any insight on relationship community building strategies at the leadership level? One of the biggest declines I have seen since the pandemic is that employees no longer have a community culture aspect at work, and therefore I'm seeing a decrease in engagement and trust among leaders within the company. I'll be honest, it was COVID. I think it, it really put us all through the test. I mean, from entry-level positions on up. Um, I will, I honestly can say um, I am grateful. I didn't lose a single employee during COVID. Um, not, I mean, obviously not to COVID, but also employment wise. Um, and we did, we had to cut hours. We had to, you know, we shut our doors. So residents couldn't come in. Our fitness centers were closed. Our pools were closed. Our parks for a while were closed. And yet we still had to maintain all of those assets. And, you know, having residents see us out and about in the community and yet not allowing them to do some of the things was a hard was a hard pill to swallow um but i think we were consistent we i think we communicated to the community well and and i think that went along for our our staff as well even though we did we had to cut hours we had to you know we we only did it to the extent where you know, they lost, we kept them at 30 hours for our hourly staff so they could keep their benefits because that's, you know, that's huge. Um, the, 
company, our company actually uh, did a new program, and I apologize, I don't know the, had something to do with, with unemployment benefits, because obviously there were so many people that were put out of work 100% who were collecting unemployment. It was a program that the IRS put together for companies who were retaining employees. It was sort of an incentive. Um, so our employees were made whole by unemployment because of this program that our company entered into. Um, so even though we were, we did have to eliminate some of their hours, we, the company that we work for actually worked hard to keep, to make sure that they were getting, you know, full pay. Um, and honestly, you, it was a miserable time for everyone, you know, globally. I can't even just say it was here. It was globally. And being, you know, here to, I, I never, we worked 100% of the time through COVID. And I don't know that a lot of people realize that even though our doors weren't open, I was in my office or I was working from home. We kind of did a, for a short time when everything shut down, we had, we always had a manager in the office um, to, and I, I felt very strongly that that was important because I'm, we were considered essential workers and I wanted our residents to know that we were here and we, we are doing our job. Um, and I also wanted to support our staff. Um, we had several who sadly did get sick with COVID and, you know, I found myself sitting behind the front desk again for the first time in many years answering phones. And, you know, it's funny when you pick up the phone and someone's like, why are you answering the phone? I'm like, because it's ringing. That's my job. You know? <laughs> yeah, we're working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, again, it really put to the test. If I'm asking you to do it, I will do it too. Um and I'm, I'm very grateful to my team. And I honestly, you know, saying please and thank you, those two little things showing gratitude for the work that they're doing in really extenuating circumstances. Sometimes, you know, it's not about always getting the bonus or, or the money. Sometimes it's just being appreciated. And I think that was something that I worked really hard at during, during, the really kind of the crux of, of COVID was to show appreciation for myself. That's so well said. And please and thank you. It just goes so, such a long way. And it, I, I don't know. And you become so aware of it when people don't. And that just, it's just little things that kind of just seep into the culture. It's, it's such a great point. Yeah. Um, I will say too, and this is just a little side effect, I think, of COVID. Um, I actually noticed, I, I was very fortunate. I grew up I'm very close to all of my sisters. I have a good relationship with my family. And, you know, we went on camping trips and, and did things together as a family. I think COVID actually the one of the positives of COVID is it really kind of brought back family culture um, where it wasn't about give the kid a, you know, a, an iPad and tell them to go to their room. It's, hey, let's play a board game. Let's let's engage as a family, let's do exercise classes, you know, via Zoom, or I, I really did, I did see a positive come out of COVID, which was really kind of bringing back those core kind of family values of eating together and doing things together and taking a walk together, um, which was really refreshing. It's well said, and it's certainly something I've experienced as well. And I, I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on about that. It's kind of 
there's some gratefulness that comes that came out of it and being really thankful for what you do have. Yeah. Um, and the importance of really that community that you talked about. Um, I'm curious about um, if you could do it all over again, um, maybe uh, when you first started your position or maybe some, somewhere along the line where you're like, you know what, you were a, a situation where you had to own it and you were like, I just didn't know, but I, I learned and now I've, I've never done that again since that time I did that thing. Is there anything like that you'd feel comfortable sharing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I've been, I've been in Play Vista now for over 20 years. I'm in my 21st year um, on property. And I started out being what they call the community concierge, which no longer exists in our community because it's too big. There's too much going on, but basically it's a front desk employee. Um, and in that time, you know, and I'm, I'm a very curious individual. I ask a lot of questions. I'm not afraid to, you know, say, Hey, why don't I, you know, I can help you with that. I'm, I don't, I don't like idle time. Um, I can become lazy very easily. So I, I do need to stay active um, some way or another, my brain especially. And um, so I kind of moved up the ranks with um, within Playa Vista quickly because I showed initiative. Um, but I also, with that comes responsibility and sometimes responsibility is not so fun. Um, and uh, I had a, a situation early in my career where I really did question if I was doing, if I was here for the right reason. Um, I had a, a supervisor who, um, for lack of a better way to say it, he, uh, they were micromanaging, like basically every step of the, whatever it was that I did. And it just became so uh, exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, exhausting, but it's like, you know, have, have a little faith in right. me. And I think it's actually made me a better manager because I will never do what that manager did to me, to my own staff. Um, sometimes to a fault where I'm, I'm too stand, you know, I, I stand back too much and don't always step in as quickly as I probably should. Um, but I even had a conversation with them and, and I basically put it on the line. I said, I'm either going to walk or you need to have faith in my ability to do my job. Know that I will come to you if I have questions, but I, I, I can't work with you standing over me um, because it's, you're actually, def you're deflating me. I don't have a lot of confidence because I feel like everything I do is being questioned. And um, from that moment on, my life was very different in Playa. Um, I think it, I don't think they realized they were micromanaging every step of, of the way. Um, and it really kind of escalated my, my role and responsibility in the community from that point forward. Um, I, I kept putting my name in the hat when something came up and, you know, surprisingly enough, I, <laughs> I did not expect to be the general manager for Playa Vista. Um, I'm very happy that I'm here. I, I love the work that I do. Um, I love the job that I do. I love that I have the ability to make an impact on the lives of our community. Sometimes it's, it's not a good impact, but it's still an impact. Um, but I really do love this community. I love the work that I do. And I hope that that shows through. I hope that the community knows that 
their interests are in our minds 100% of the time. I, I can speak firsthand that it does. And um, I, I think that uh, I speak for a lot of people in that community that they're, we're very glad that you did put your name in the hat. And that you told that, and you told that manager not to micromanage you. Um, that, that's really great, and it's a it's a really uh, it's a good lesson on that having that moment. I think, and then that gave you allowed you to spread your wings and have the confidence. Um, yeah, it, it honestly was a it was a it was the, I think it was the changing point in my career. I was always a middle manager, and I don't know if I hadn't had the confidence to go in and talk to that supervisor, I don't know that I would have had the confidence to put my name in the hat for operations director and ultimately GM. Right. And those things snowball too. That's the last thing I'm gonna say about it, right? So you have that, you have that moment and then you get comp, right? And then that builds and yep. Yeah. Um, we're about out of time. So I just wanna quickly go over to some rapid fire questions real quick. I'm gonna <laughs> throw a couple at you. We'll just see sure. what happens. All right, here we go. What's one thing you do every day that elevates you? Um, I think just being as gracious as possible. So for me, good manners goes a long way. Um, I appreciate it when someone says please and thank you. So it's something that is important to me to say to others as well. I love that. Daily routine, how do you stay organized? You got a lot going on. You got a lot of things on your plate, a lot of meetings. How do you do it? This is a totally selfish question. I want to know for me, but how do you do it? Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, it's all a farce. I am not at all organized. If you saw my office, it's, I have, I am a very messy individual. Um, so I, I use my calendar a hundred percent of the time. If there is something that I need, if there's a deadline I need to meet, I, ha I put in multiple reminders. I'm, I am a calendar freak. I'm not a list person, ironically. Uh, but I do use my, my calendar a lot. Excellent. Best purchase you've made in the last year for less than a hundred dollars. This one was a tough one. Um, I'm, I actually, am going to say the plants that I put in my garden, uh, oh. because tending to, I have a very small little garden at home and, you know, being able to eat tomatoes and strawberries and cucumbers and zucchini that I grew, is huge. I successfully grew three artichokes this year, so I was super excited. But you know, for less than a hundred bucks, I can pretty much eat produce for better part of the spring and summer. So that's that's a, a a good investment, in my opinion. We will have to talk off air about the, the that garden. That's awesome. That is a great <laughs> purchase and a great investment. Might be the best one I've ever heard. Um, you can eat one meal for the rest of your life, or maybe this is a final meal. Is there, is there one meal that's like your go-to, your favorite thing in the whole wide world? Lasagna. Mm. There's so many things that you can do with lasagna. It can be vegetarian. It can be full of meat. It can be white sauce, red sauce. There's so many different varieties. Um, I could eat lasagna for the rest of my life. No problem. That's, that's, that's excellent. I love a good lasagna. Um, favorite quote, one thing I've always loved, I love quotes, um, in your office, there's usually always a quote on a whiteboard and I always appreciated mm -hmm. those quotes. Um, do you have a favorite quote or maybe one that's you're really leaning into right now? Uh, so I actually have two, if it's, they're both small, short, yeah. one is choose to be optimistic. It feels better. Uh, mm. it's from the Dalai Lama. Um, I pride myself on being optimistic, even in the worst of times. I will try and find that one little thing to look positive towards. 
Um, and then Albert Einstein strive not to be a success, but rather to be of value. I really like that one. Wow, that's a good one. Those are two good ones. Yeah, because if you're valued, the success, those things they take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, all right, last one here. Do you have a go-to pick-me-up song? Like maybe you're just you're having a hard day, and then you get in the car, and it's like, let's go. I don't know. Is there a song that's like a really just a let's pick, let's have a great day? There, are, there are a lot that will bring it out, but I have to. It's kind of cheesy, but um, "Happy" by Pharrell. Mm. It's just. There's just something about that song that just kind of makes makes me smile. Uh, you and me both. I'm telling you, it is cheesy, but I don't care. That thing comes on, I'm yeah. dancing. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> well, Dawn, thank you so much for doing this. This was such a treat. I could keep talking to you all day, but really, really appreciate you making the time for us. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm still flabbergasted that uh, you wanted me on your show, and I appreciate it. And we miss you a ton. It's nice to see your smiling face again. You're too kind. Thank you. As I mentioned, I work for Elevation Health, and we've been in business for 27 years, creating customizable solutions for your fitness and wellness needs. That's right, folks, 27 years. And in our 27 years, we've seen it all. So whatever your needs might be, we got you covered. From fitness management and online training to on-site classes and integrated technology, we help small and large groups alike get healthy and stay engaged. I encourage you to learn more about us at contactelevation.com and to follow us on social media at elevation.health.